Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Executive Minds Podcast. Kevin Jennings here with you, and today we are kicking off a two-part series. Um, You're going to hear from David Farmer, one of the mentors on our team here, and you're also going to have a chance to hear from his coach, Tommy Newberry. Um, He is an life coach and executive coach uh, based in Atlanta, Georgia, had the privilege of actually working with Tommy myself at one point. Um, And so he's also worked with Jeff and Shane on our team. And that's how actually I was introduced to him. And on this episode and in this series, you're going to hear David actually sit down with Tommy and just unpack some of the practices and principles of high performers, of high achievers, how these individuals who you seem like, man, how do they get all of this done? How are they so successful and still maintain a positive perspective? How do they still have time for their family and still get it all done at work? What are they doing? How are they so effective at work? Um, And yet they still don't even have time for every key relationship. And so there's some really simple principles, but really eye-opening that Tommy walks through because he's had the privilege of working with individuals like this for almost 30 years. And so in part one of this series, you're going to hear David ask him a lot of questions about principles and and the thought processes that go into this. And then he's going to dig into some tools that can get really practical on some things you can create in your own life to actually start to get yourself on a path toward high performance. Here at Mentor and on the Executive Minds podcast, We talk about our desire is to turn your potential into high performance. And today you're going to hear some of those things. So without further ado, here is David Farmer's interview with Tommy Newberry. Executive Mind listeners, want to thank you so much for joining us. I am very excited about the podcast today because I've got a good friend and a longtime coach with me. You've probably heard us make reference to him over the course of time if you've been listening a bit. But I'm really excited to have Tommy Newberry with me today. So, Tommy, welcome to the podcast. Great to be with you, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I need to give you a little bit of the history that Tommy and I have. And it's not just Tommy. Uh, I think all of the executive mind uh, mentors, Shane, Jeff, Kevin, have all had some history with Tommy. But mine goes back, Tommy, you may know better than me, how many years? Well, at least to the late 90s, I believe. Yeah, a good friend. Based on our victory, some of the Victory Wall uh, archives I've been able to dig up. Yeah, Tommy's referencing Victory Walls. He wants you, when you come to a coaching session, he wants you to bring tangible evidence of a victory you've had and then post it on a wall. Not only is it good accountability for you, but it's really inspirational for uh, others. That's especially true. And for me. And yeah. For me. So he was pulling up some old victories from the 90s. How about that? Yeah, we've seen people age gracefully through the years. I have age. I don't know about the gracefully part. I hope I hope so. But I, I owe a debt of gratitude to good friend Dave Salyers, who was the guy who brought me uh, to you back in those days. That's so, right. I think that timing is right because um, that was prior to the Olympics. That was one of yeah. his family goals there. That's right. He was an envoy for the New Zealand yeah, team yeah. when the Olympics came to Atlanta, 1996. How about that? Well, I'm excited because Tommy has been coaching professionals for a long time. 
Uh, he's got some books he's written around it. We'll talk about that at the end, and we'll we'll post a lot of the things you're going to hear uh, to our show notes as well. If you're driving or working out, you can always go to the uh, wearementor.co.co website and find the show notes there. But we're going to jump in, and we are going to load you up with so much good practical stuff today. I can I know that for sure because I've been going to workshops with Tommy for years. So I'm excited. You're going to get some good stuff today. And I thought I might begin the conversation by just asking Tommy, what is it that separates a high performer from someone that's, you know, middle of the pack, not too bad, but not exactly tearing it up either? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And, you know, there's probably a lot of different qualities that that make the most precise answer. But one thing that keeps coming back year after year after year, and so I've I've been coaching for last month, 28 years. And so clarity, that word comes to me over and over again, clarity, clarification. I think people who are high performers have a more precise, more detailed vision of two things, who they want to become and what they want to achieve with their life. And because of that, they are able to make fewer wrong turns as they move from where they are now to where they'd rather be. And then that saves them time. And so time is all we have, really. So it really saves their life. So the clearer you are, the more likely you are to hit your target. The most important target really being the kind of person that you become throughout the years, the legacy you leave behind. And then you've got your goals. On the other hand, uh, some people are more maybe purpose or mission focused and other people are more goals focused, um, I think they work well together. I think in light of the kind of mission or purpose that you have, that steers you toward setting a particular type of goals. And so you really ask yourself, in light of my mission or in light of my purpose, what kind of goals do I need to be setting? And then once you've set those goals, you kind of check yourself by saying, will the pursuit not even the accomplishment, but will the pursuit of this goal nudge me, force me to become more like the person that I intend to become? And if the answer is yes, that that means that is a goal that passes the test. That That's one worthy of pursuing because sometimes we won't hit our goals. Yeah. And if we have progressed closer to the type of person that we want to become in character and in legacy, then even if we hadn't if we, if we don't hit the goals, it's a net gain. And, and the flip side is also important because if you set the wrong goals, and by wrong I mean goals that are unwise or goals that aren't consistent with your strengths, even if you don't end up crossing the finish line with the, quote, wrong goals, you, you will have been pulled away from your purpose or away from the preferred legacy that you wanted to leave behind. And and you'll have to work around far more scars uh, than are necessary. So this issue of clarity, it, it implies a lot of people are just not taking the time to sit down and be disciplined in their thinking and really project wh- what they're trying to do, where they're trying to go, who they're trying to become. Absolutely. And it's it's um, those, it's such simple questions. I mean, it's not easy, first of all. It's yeah. not easy. It's because you have to think hard. Yes. And I mean, I have, you know, teach these principles for a living and have for a long time. And yet, when it's time for me to do my own thought work and my own clarification, 
you know, I start offering to do things around the house and, you know, do chores and little stuff because it's like a natural human instinct that that sometimes we want to run away, defer or postpone the really hard work or the work, ironically, that would advance our life and advance our career. Um, it's almost a an automatic human nature mechanism that keeps us in the status quo. So we have to fight that urge to postpone the hard work of clarity. That's one thing. So hardly ever are you outside of like a significant emotional event, a, a death, a loss of a, uh, a job or a bad health crisis or something like that. Outside of those things, we, we may just not be prompted to get serious about clarity. Then once we are serious, then we have to realize we can't just, you know, take a Saturday morning early and snap our fingers and think, well, I should have clarity. I've started this at 7 a.m. and by 10, I should have clarity on my life. Clarity is a process, which means you start working toward who you want to become, who God wants you to become, the kind of goals you want to reach, the legacy you want to leave behind. You start working at it kind of from like outside a group of concentric circles or outside the, the target. And then what you want to do over time is you get you inch closer and closer and closer and closer to the bullseye. The bullseye, meaning that that center spot, the sweet spot where you go, that's it. Yep. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm going to commit my life to achieving. It, you know, it's a little bit like compounding interest as well. The sooner you get going, the bigger the payoff at the end as well. And another thought that I had around this, I'm going to um, reveal one of your coaching tricks. If this makes you anxious to say, I got to sit down and define who I want to be. Tommy often has us do exercises and, and tells us this is just like scratch work. You know, you're not yes, going to be graded yes. on this. Give yourself permission to be wrong, but go ahead and start brainstorming on paper and just get it out there and then you can refine it. You don't have to commit to it. You're not having to make it public at this point, but you need to do the work around clarity. Yeah, one of my or my my third son had a teacher, and she called the first draft. She came up with a fun name, you know, for uh, second graders and third graders, a sloppy copy. Yeah. So you've got to be willing to be sloppy with your first copy, and if you aren't, then that perfectionism will keep maybe your fingers from hitting the keyboard or the pen from touching the paper or even sitting down or at your stand-up desk and starting to define what you want your life to look like. Yeah. But, it, but it's so important because everything else flows from clarity about the end result, yep. yet so little time is spent doing that. Okay, so that's that's a great place to start. So if I go back to the question of what is that sets the high performers apart, we've said clarity. What's another characteristic you've observed over these years? Well, one practice or, or lack thereof that I've observed is the ability or even the desire, honestly, to delay gratification. Everything is kind of microwave in the culture. We, we want it in 60 seconds, 90 seconds tops. How quick can we get it? And so there's a, a culture of now. Well, some things take seasoning. Some things you have to or most things that are worthwhile, relationships, to grow your faith, to build a business, to build a career, to get super fit. Those things require envisioning it, planting the right seeds, and then making smart choices 
when you're tempted to make poor choices. And I really like to say, you know, it's smart and stupid. Sometimes you just need to be real blunt because people don't get it if you try to nicen it up just a little bit. So what is a smart, a, a smart person to me is not defined by where they went to school or what their IQ is or how intelligent other people think they are. But a smart person is somebody who has clear goals and then makes choices congruent with those goals. A stupid person, even if they went to the best of schools and have a high IQ and so forth, they're kind of stupid, I would argue, if they make choices that are inconsistent with who they want to become, the legacy they want to leave behind. So the ability to delay gratification is not just my observation, though there's been a lot of research that that particular quality with students, with athletes, with executives, that the ability to say, I'm going to forego a reward or pleasure today to get a bigger reward and more pleasure down the road, that quality is priceless. And the great news is it can be learned. It is a skill like typing, riding a bike, using a computer, communicating effectively with a spouse. It is a skill that you can get better and better at. And as you delay gratification in the small things, you develop the muscles of self-discipline to delay gratification in the bigger things. That's good. All right. Love it. So we got clarity. We got the ability to delay gratification. What else would you say defines high performers? Well, related to delaying gratification is, is where do you get your juice or, or what really drives you? And so when, when you're motivated by getting to the top of the mountain or you're motivated by being able to provide a nice luxury for your family, or you're motivated by being able to contribute to your church or other causes in the way that you'd like at the level you'd like, so you can really influence those things, then you're more likely to pay the price, which may not be that much fun. So high performers tend to wake up in the morning motivated by the top of the mountain, the end result. The eye what, on the prize. Yeah, what they're ultimately after. Those that are in the middle of the pack tend to be much more motivated by, is today going to be fun? <laughs> yeah. You know, is this going to be enjoyable? Again, it's learned, but sometimes we have to unlearn things. And so you may have grown up with a wonderful family, but you got rewarded for the wrong things. And as a result, you, you've kind of gotten conditioned to not stick with it. If, if the process is unpleasurable, not fun, you're, in other words, you're not willing to pay the price. So, yeah. so combined with, with delaying gratification and where do you get your motivation, it's really the discipline, the cord of discipline, which is being able to do what you need to do to reach your goal, doing, being able to do what you need to do, when you need to do it, and then here's the punchline, whether you feel like it or not. Mm -hmm. That is the key part there, and it's trainable. And that's what I, particularly when I'm speaking to large audiences, I say, this is trainable. You may be more of a feeler right now, but you can become a doer by committing to become a doer and then practicing it and not giving up uh, when you hit the first little obstacle. That's good. And I remember you had us read a book. 
was it Jocko? What's Jocko's one? Jocko Willink. Yeah, Willink. Willink. Will, uh, Willink. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the name of his book? Uh, one of them, one was called Extreme Ownership, but the one that I had in the Achieving Optimal group was Freedom is Discipline or Discipline is one of the two. Discipline One of the is two. Freedom. Just Di- put discipline, freedom. Discipline is freedom. Okay. Discipline is freedom. And he talks a lot about just own you gotta you gotta assume total ownership as well. And yeah. that's another key component. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah, I've just I've just visualized the cover now. It's discipline equals freedom. Okay. Discipline equals freedom. It's a black book. What's great about it, and then ask me that again, is it's just kind of one page at a time. Don't yeah. you love those yeah. ones where there's a lot of meat? And I mean it's coming from a source that I mean, he was this, a military special forces. Yeah, he, he was a, a Navy SEAL yeah. and uh, trained Navy SEALs, and um, it's just a powerful message. I, I will oftentimes during the morning ritual that I have with my younger son, I'll I'll read a page, and then now I've started having him read the pages to me. But they're great nuggets on on what happens in your life. You know, the the freedom to live the way you want to live with the people that you want to live, doing the things that you want to do having the influence you want to do, and that all can be traced back to discipline. And the way to discipline yourself or to learn discipline or to become better disciplined is to make the decision that you are intent on becoming a disciplined person and then read the life stories of people who were very disciplined. Begin shifting your reference group, the people that you hang out with, hang out with some people that are very, very disciplined, and then Start with small things in your life. Don't think, hey, I'm I'm not that disciplined of a person. I'll train myself. I'm going to go run a marathon, you know, in three and a half months. Start with something that requires a smaller amount of discipline, but still discipline, and it'll be a victory. And then as you get that victory, you're prepared for a bigger victory. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember one of the first, one of the early marathons I ran, at least I'll say that, I did it with the Leukemia Society and joined the group. And they taught me the process, and they, and I, I learned what does a disciplined runner look like, and they had some really good ones, and that's not where I was. Yeah. But I kind of drafted <laughs> off of them, right, and learned and saw myself grow in that respect it, a lot. It, it reminds me, you know, there, you don't want to be the fittest person you know. Yeah. You, you, you don't want to be— you know, you don't want to have the the best marriage of all the people you know. You don't want to be the wealthiest person you know. You yeah. always want to have people around you who are further ahead, yeah. who are smarter, better, wiser, who've been there. And and they will rub off on you and you'll benefit them with some fresh thoughts. And, and that's one of the most powerful ways that you can shape your legacy is being thoughtful, strategic, intentional with who you choose to hang out with. And as I've, I, I tell everybody usually that I speak with, but particularly my three boys, you can practice every other principle of success and leadership. But if you insist on, on hanging out with folks that are uh, not going places and that don't want to grow, then they'll take you with them yeah. uh, inadvertently. And yeah. so it's an iron sharpens iron. That was the original slogan we used was from Proverbs. Iron sharpens iron was the original 1% back in the in the days when I first met you. Yeah, 1% was the name of uh, Tommy's coaching program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to jump into tools. Let's get pra- let's get real practical cuz you love creating tools. You've given us so many tools. In fact, we've referenced some of these tools over the course of time uh, on the podcast and you've got some really good ones. So if I said Tommy, someone that they're committed, they want to make this happen, 
But what are some of the practical um, tools or maybe it's just good process they need to bake into their life? What would you say? Yeah, well, they're all kind of thinking tools. And so I I think everybody that that wants to get to the next level in their career and in their life, if they don't have a personal mission statement, that that's almost number one. And a personal mission statement, we've kind of alluded to the reason for that earlier in in defining who you intend to become as a person. So it's different from your goals. Yeah. But it's it's related. Um, in fact, I think of a personal mission statement as like a constitution. Yep. As in the U.S. Constitution. And then your goals are like the laws. And you want to make sure that, I mean, at least in theory, that the laws are consistent with the Constitution. Yeah. It may not happen that way in, in reality, but you want to make sure that with your life that your mission statement is the true north. It's kind of fixed. This is what you're all about. Then define the goals underneath it. Before I die, these are the things that I want to get done. These are the things I want to get done in the next decade. And then the time frame that, that I'm passionate about is three years. It may not be a, a perfect fit for everybody, yeah. but I, I like to challenge people with this. You know, if a, a marriage can be in difficult shape and in three years, it can be a model for others. Somebody can be grossly out of shape and in three years they can have run a triathlon. Uh, forget a marathon. They could, you yeah. know, they could just really uh, set a, a powerful example. Same thing economically. Somebody can go from, and I've I've seen this happen, uh, go from in debt to financially free in that thirty six months. So I like to push clients to think beyond just the next year. And I think if you aspire to leadership, that's one of the things you want to do is think thirty six months from now. That's 12 quarters, so it's easy to slice up and hold yourself accountable or have have somebody trusted in your life hold you accountable. It's 1,095 days, but it's so trackable. Yep. And so you define, hey, what's a goal I want to set economically, you know, business, career? What's a goal I want as a husband or wife, mom or dad? What's a goal I want in my faith or in my health and fitness? Or you could go a different direction and and focus on preparing to be a husband or wife, mom or dad, or you could have adventure goals, you could have giving goals. But the point is, if you get more than five goals, it's going to uh, disperse your focus just a little bit. And the fewer goals you have, the more focused you have the capability to be. So top five goals and then fitting with the top five goals is weekly review or, you know, I even being a coach, I like to call it the weekly coach. And essentially, it's a debrief every single week. Pause. And it's, it's really when you're calling a timeout and and you're stopping the noise, the pace, the distractions, and you're asking three essential questions, which which I really think are, at least on the economic side, they're million-dollar questions, however you want to look it up or think of it. And then on the on the personal side, they're life-saving questions. And they're so simple, it's almost, I'm almost embarrassed to talk about them, but it's what's gone well in the last week. Yep. So again, compared to what? Yep. Compared to where I want to be three years from now. But you could do this with one-year goals yeah. or the quarter. Hey, this is where I want to be at the end of the quarter in the key areas of life. Okay, now the week is over. What's gone well in the last week? What's not gone so well? And what do I need to do differently? Or is... 
as I sometimes joke, if we could have a do-over, what we would do differently. Now, these seem logically like smart questions to ask, but I can't totally explain it. But something amazing happens when you ask those questions, the cumulative effect, the compound effect of asking and re-asking, where did I win? Where did I struggle? What do I need to tweak? When you ask those, you're essentially giving your brain, you're telling your brain, if, if it's a win, if it's in the win column, you're saying, I want more of this. Repeat more of this area of this week. When you say this was a struggle or this didn't work so well, you're telling your brain, avoid this over the next seven days. Avoid this. I want to move away from that. And then the most important of the three questions, what am I going to change? What am I going to do differently? And the great thing is you could go away you know, to the desert and meditate on those things for, for days. But you could also answer those questions uh, in your car, sitting outside your house before you walk in, you know, for the day, for the week, or, or longer. But those, those are really powerful questions. I am so excited that uh, we finally had a chance to have Tommy on the podcast and grateful for David uh, taking the time to sit down with him and really ask some questions that I think even reminded me of some things I need to work on again and revisit. What really excites me is just a simple thing of saying high performers have clarity. I think we've all often struggled with clarity. I think that's really one of the also the uh, the key markers of leadership is it's our ability to make things clear for everyone else. If you're stepping into new things in your life and that you're in your job, ambiguity and uncertainty are going to be there. And it's our job in our own lives and in the lives of those we lead to fight and create clarity. And that's what high performers do. Um, so that for me was one thing that really just jumped out to me. Many things jumped out, but that was one of the first ones, but also hit me really hard. And the second thing that hit me really hard actually was the idea of delayed gratification. Um, there are some things in my life where I'm very comfortable with delayed gratification. And there are some things I'm just not, or some things I've gotten into autopilot and become accustomed to giving myself what I want when I want it. So for me, it's the end of the day, a long work day, a long, hard day at work, or, you know, even with family. And I'm telling myself a story. Hey, Kevin, you worked hard today. You deserve fill in the blank. You should give yourself this treat. You should eat this ice cream at 10 p.m., right? In reality, that's not what I want for myself. It's not, it, it, that's not what I want. And for me, I have to say to myself, Kevin, is there another way to celebrate that's healthier? Or can we delay that a bit and say, let's enjoy it on another day or, or another time? Um, and I might sound really simple, but I think there's a habit in other areas of our lives that sometimes discard the value of delayed gratification. And high performers are willing to, to keep the end in mind and say, you know what? I'm working for something larger, something bigger, and I can wait to get what I really, really want down the road. So once again, this is just part one of the series. And so I look forward to you joining us on episode two uh, of this series or part two of this series where David actually asked Tommy about more tools. And so one of the, and the first one he shares is so powerful yet so simple. And it, from my own experience, it is one of the most common things I've seen among those who are killing it in their career and in their life. So I'm not going to give that one away, but the last thing he shares in part two, you don't want to miss as well. He talks about how high performers can deal with and prepare for adversity. So please, please come back next week and check out part two of David Farmer's interview with Tommy Newberry.
also subscribe to the podcast so you can make sure you don't miss it. You know, great performers, people who are who are doing great in their work, they automate how they grow. They already have the books in their backpack so that when they want to read a book, it's available. They have audible subscriptions. They they subscribe to the podcast they enjoy listening to. They they make the most of the time they have to make it all come together so they can invest in themselves. So please subscribe to this podcast as well. We love to hear your feedback. So please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And so that's how we can actually grow as well by hearing from you, the person, the individuals we uh, are passionate about serving. And last but not least, we would love to have you actually visit our website. Uh, if you go to executiveminds.co, executiveminds.co, you'll get access to all of our show notes and all the other things we're creating here at Mentor to serve you. And that will go a long way because we are committed to you developing your potential and turning it into high performance in 2020. All right, friends, look forward to having you join us next time here on the Executive Minds Podcast. Podcast.